Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia Pacific markets are trading lower this morning following a night of selling on Wall Street. Tokyo and Seoul are both down more than 1% in early trade. Sydney in the red as well. Joining me now as we take a look at what is behind market action is Sunny Hamid. He's Director for Wealth Management at Financial Alliance. Good morning, Sunny. Morning, Michelle. We begin this morning in the U.S., where stocks finished broadly lower overnight. The tech-heavy Nasdaq dropped one and a quarter percent. The S&P 500 fell three quarters of a percent, erasing its gains for the week. The Dow finished in the red as well. Investors are reading the tea leaves of the minutes from the U.S. Federal Reserve's last meeting. They're also assessing the latest corporate results, and I have to say it's a mixed bag. There's really something for every argument, whether you're a bull or a bear. So take retail. Yesterday, the U.S. U.S.'s biggest retailer, Walmart, reported better-than-expected earnings, causing its share price to jump. Today, though, we're seeing one of its biggest competitors, Target, reporting a huge drop in quarterly profits, down 90%. Target said it had to sharply mark down prices in order to clear inventory. What do you make of this, Sunny? Well, I think um, short-term, we'll see very uh, company-specific reasons for, for a divergence in profitability. If I give an example, your Target versus Walmart example. I believe Walmart has larger share of food revenue and that's more inelastic when it comes to spending and, and, and I think Target has more uh, discretionary items which people are cutting back because of high energy prices and such. So we are at a situation where we still have some differentiation because of this but I think um, going forward if the economy does slow, if energy prices remain high and, and people do cut back across the board even for, in, for items like food and such, uh, we could see the earnings synchronize and, and in that particular scenario, synchronize to the downside. Uh, so we're going to get a bit of two ways in earnings uh, reports, like you mentioned, but we could come to a point where it were all desynchronized. Shares of Target finished down 2.7% overnight. Walmart shares finished moderately higher. Meanwhile, the children's clothing and accessories chain Children's Place fell 11% after reporting a surprise second quarter loss. If we turn to semiconductors and tech hardware now, there are signs that the chip shortage that plagued manufacturers during the first part of this year has run its course. And that has led Cisco Systems to provide an upbeat sales forecast. Cisco, also the world's largest maker of machines that run the internet, and it's predicting a 2 to 4% growth in sales. Cisco notes it can fill more orders now that the supply chain shortages have eased. At the same time, though, the chip makers, companies like Samsung, Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing, they're dialing back their investment plans, which historically has been a bad sign for the international economy. So again, Sunny, I ask, what do you make of this? Have you read these mixed signals? <laughs> yes, again, um, quite similar. We have a situation where prior to this, if you look at what we call the number of weeks for so-called delivery of, of chips, that used to be about like, 15 weeks or less mm-hmm. prior to 2021. And, and, and that actually increased about, if I'm not wrong, 30 weeks during the peak of the, the supply chain issues. And so I think that's the good news in itself. But on the other hand, I think, you know, given that it's still almost double of what we've seen prior to 2021 in terms of delivery of chips, um, I think rightly so many of these companies are quite hesitant to actually assume that um, it's going to go back all the way down there to post-2021 levels where chips were at 15, 15 weeks delivery. So 
we have this kind of situation at this point and given the economic outlook and such, no one's going to be making any big capex capital expenditure at this particular point in my view. Next up, let's take a step back from corporate news, Sunny, and sectoral analysis. Let's look at the Fed minutes. Fed officials are seeing some signs of lower growth, but they are still clearly focused on reining in inflation. The minutes indicate a need to slow the Fed's interest rate hikes, quote, at some point. So, Sunny, how is the Fed doing so far? And what do you read into this record of their latest thinking? I think they kind of reiterated what they mentioned during the press release. And I think they're saying that they will continue until they see signs that inflation is, is moving towards their target of 2%. So that's very interesting because, mm-hmm. um, again, they're, they're going to look at on a data-to-data basis. What we're seeing now is basically both the base effect and some decline due to lower energy prices pushing so-called uh, the year-on-year CPI lower. But I don't think anybody believes that CPI will go back all the way down to 2 Many analysts, the market believes that it may get stuck at about 5%, or at best maybe 4% year-on-year. So the big question is whether the Fed will be happy with that, whether they will keep rates higher for longer just to try and push it back to their target level because that has consequences on the economy. Mm-hmm. So it's back to this question of, you know, on one hand it's this, on the other hand it's that. So we're really at this situation where because of what we've experienced for the past 10 years, uh, we're at an inflection point. So we have a lot of these kind of situations where it's A or B, and, mm. and at this particular point in time, it even applies to, to the Federal Reserve's action. Now, in the commodity markets, oil prices have slipped to their lowest levels in six months. West Texas crude is selling for about 87 US dollars a barrel. Brent is a bit higher at 93 US dollars. Investors have been selling off amid signs that the global economy is slowing. Sunny, this year we've seen stellar profits for energy sector companies, Saudi Aramco, for example, because they benefited from high petrol prices. What do you think this recent easing is going to mean for the energy sector? Well, oil prices, even if it goes back to 80 or even slightly below that, you know, we have to re- remember that the production costs for many of these uh, oil companies are much, much lower. So for every barrel they sell, they still walk away with a lot of a huge margin, huge ca- uh, cash flow. Uh, so they're, they're probably going to remain pretty profitable or in the near, near future itself. So I think for oil companies, oil stocks itself, they will be buoyed by, by, by this particular aspect. On the prices itself, while it's come off due to, as you correctly mentioned, views on the economy and such, I think when we look at the actual on-the-ground situation, they're still very. the situation is quite tight due to the lack of uh, capital expenditure over the past 10 years. So I think oil prices may find a flaw 70, 80 around those prices. Let's bring the conversation to China right now, Sunny, because Tencent is reporting its first ever decline in revenue down 3% to less than 20 billion US dollars. Tencent is also retrenching workers. It is slashing 5,000 jobs or about 5% of its workforce. Sunny, why is Tencent struggling and what does this tell you about China's economy? It's a combination of, um, of a few factors. Of course, we all know about the tight regulation that has, has, has enveloped the, uh, not only the tech sector, but other sectors in the, in the Chinese economy. So the so-called involvement of Beijing in, in the, the running of the industry itself, for example, the limit, limitation on 
game playing time for for children and such. Right. Uh, so all of yeah, so all of this actually bites into 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 revenue, and then we have the macro thing, macro situation where you know, lockdowns and, and and so on and, and the slowing Chinese economy. So all of them have added together to um, put pressure on ten cents of revenue. It goes to show that basically it's an industry and uh, which is uh, the tech industry in China that is which is going to face a lot of headwinds. You, we may still find some good bargains, probably when when prices are lower uh, on a sell-off. But as prices go higher, these are the headwinds, uh, both from the regulatory perspective, the economic perspective, which I think will eventually put a cap on on on, on prices. Yesterday, investors sold off shares of the food delivery giant Meituan. This amid reports that Tencent was planning to sell its stake in the company. While Tencent is making other divestments, the company says the reports about Meituan are not true and it's not divesting its stake in the company. Sunny, the recent headlines about China's economy have been quite negative and amid signs that the country's COVID-0 policy is hurting growth. Today, Bloomberg has an opinion piece out that titled Don't Believe the Grim Forecast China is Just Fine and the author argues China's headline numbers are misleading. What do you think? Well, I think if China's left alone, I think they can do well because after all, they are, they are a controlled economy, a centralized economy. It's, it's an economy where if Beijing says lend the bank will lend and they have shown also to be very proactive in terms of both fiscal and, and monetary policy. But when you add in elements such as the COVID policy, when you realize that basically they have been pursuing a very high leverage type of policy to stimulate growth in the past, especially via the property market. So there's a bit of bubbles here and there which have been created over the past couple of years. You add everything together, then you realize that actually it's not that easy. But having said everything, among all the, the, the markets, whether it's the US, Europe and, and, and China, mm. one would probably put his bet, his or her bet on China um, having more control for the fact that it's a, it's, it's a centralized economy. So higher chance of policies there potentially succeeding uh, vis-a-vis the other Western countries where there could be elements of market forces which go against policy. Next up, let's turn over to Hong Kong, where the Hong Kong exchange is reporting its worst earnings in five years. The company's interim profits fell more than 27% during the first six months of the year. So, Sunny, why is the Hong Kong exchange performing so poorly? I mean, what does this tell us about the Hong Kong market? Well, on one hand, I think confidence in, in Hong Kong as a, as a financial center has taken a beating. Uh, we all know that basically there's been an exodus of uh, many financial smaller companies, asset management companies and such due to uh, the political situation there that has been ongoing for, for several, several months. So I think in terms of confidence, um, that has taken a beating from that perspective. But having said that, I think we've also seen within those numbers itself um, some strength in terms of, I think, for China-related issuances the potential shift back from the U.S. Uh, of companies that are delisting there, potentially listing in Hong Kong itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are some tailwinds potentially that could see the revenues from, from the exchange improve in, in the quarters ahead. So some bright spots, uh, but left to be seen. All right. So some challenges, but possibly silver lining. What do you expect in terms of main challenges for the Hong Kong stock market as we look to 2023? Uh, it will be, I think, geopolitical, if the political situation deteriorates, especially over Taiwan and such, it 
the proximity, the connection between Hong Kong and China. Um, you're going to see trading volumes decline. You're going to see uh, IPOs being pulled out from the markets and such. So I think, I think that's really the key thing. I'm wondering if Hong Kong's trouble, Sunny, could be Singapore's opportunity. The government has been actively trying to boost activity on the local stock market, you know, trying to encourage more listings and liquidity. So what do you think? Um, is Singapore doing enough to boost investor interest at this time? I guess the stock exchange here would be on an ongoing basis trying to attract, um, probably not only from Hong Kong, but from elsewhere. But there's this natural push factor from Hong Kong, which personally I've seen also friends who have companies who are uh, reallocating to, to, to Singapore, for example. So I think in itself, there's really a push factor, a natural push factor, which I think Singapore can take advantage of and, and gain from that, from that particular situation. Do you think listeners should take a cue from what's going on in Australia? So I want to pick your brain now about investment strategies. And I'm going to start by getting your take on some news out of Sydney because the country's largest pension fund manages nearly $2.5 trillion Aussie dollars of retirement savings. And traditionally, they prefer stocks, this fund. But there are signs that the fund is switching more heavily into bonds. Is there a lesson here? Well, what we've seen over the past... 10 years has been a huge surge in the um, equity markets and also the bond markets, but um, the higher returns ROI from equities have resulted in many pension funds allocating a little bit more towards equities than they traditionally would so in order to, to get the alpha. But given what has happened to the bond markets over the past six months, they've suffered one of the worst sell-offs ever for certain segments of the bond markets. And that, I think, gives rise to some opportunity attractiveness in terms of valuation. So no surprise that some pension funds, institutions are moving money back into the bond market because they've suffered, or rather the bond markets have suffered a very sharp reset of of valuation. Mm. If you look at equities, even if you look now, S&P is down 10, 15%, NASDAQ is about 15%. You get a sense that equity markets maybe haven't really gone undergone that reset that the bond market has reset. So valuation-wise, much more attractive on the bond market. I think that's what people are, that's where the funds are moving from that perspective. Indeed, looks like it. Before I let you go, Sunny, what is your take on the Singapore market? And if you had to compare it to investment opportunities elsewhere in the region, how does it rate? Just looking on a year-to-date basis, there are quite a few, only a handful of, of, of local markets, or rather regional markets are still in the in, in the black, so to say. Most of them are in the red, even on, even after a huge rally in, in, in July. Singapore's one of them, I think uh, Indonesia, maybe India. It does show that basically uh, interest is, is focused on certain aspects which are quite peculiar to these markets, Singapore being a high dividend market, a strong sing dollar and such. So I do think that's going to continue. I think what what everybody's looking at now is after this huge rally in July and, and part of August and, and starting to see some signs of, of, of the market being lethargic, everybody's now wondering, okay, have we run the course? Is this the so-called bull trap um, and, and we're going to just go down from here? Mm. Or is this the start of a new, new uptrend? Yeah. Uh, we're at that particular point. And so everybody's glued to, to the screens now to, to get both data, to technical side of it and such. Because a move higher from here would probably convince people we are going higher. But if things start to U-turn, people they start to panic and start to unload some of those gains that they've made over the past couple of weeks. So a very interesting period if you have to ask me over the next one, two weeks. 
Well, you got us glued to our seats, Sunny. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Sunny Hamid is Director for Wealth Management at Financial Alliance. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.